Welcome back to UEMP. We have a lot to discuss today and I'm very glad that Rules and Montag made us delay this week's recording until slightly later, meaning we get to discuss it all here and now on one episode. Sheridan, there's no time to spare really, is there? No, there's once again a lot going on in the world of Mainz, so uh, I think we should just jump straight into things, mate. Yep, so since we last spoke, we lost the game, we fired a head coach and we hired another one, so let's take it all chronologically and start with the first of those things. A uh, quick chat about Stuttgart 3, Mainz 1, uh, played on Sunday afternoon. You were there, I was watching on my phone and then on my laptop, sort of halfway across the country. So I'm more interested in your thoughts on this one, to be honest, Sheridan, than my own. But um, let's go into the team selection first of all. It was a bit of a shuffling of the pack from the team on Wednesday, which I guess, given the exertions back then, wasn't a surprise. We got Ngankan, Gilabogui, Papela, Hanshels and Ancourt all making their way back into the starting lineup. A couple of those for the first time in a while due to injuries. What were your thoughts when you saw that? Um, not good. Um, it was It was a shock to me, I'll be honest with you. Um, I expected us to set up more, slightly more defensively than we have been recently, which is not anything I'd ever expected to say to, to how we would set up more defensively than we, we have not been known to be. But I think we needed to be knowing that, that Stuttgart are obviously a very good team this season. Um, they pose immense attacking threat. Um, they had Undav uh, Fit, who's been scoring goals and uh, assisting goals all season. And uh, the main man himself, Sehu Garassi, was back on the bench uh, coming back from the Africa Cup of Nations. And we, we knew that they were going to pose a massive threat. Um, but uh, the, the selection was was strange for me. Uh, I thought Papela coming in um, was an odd one from the very beginning. And then the game kicked off, the players lined up, and we found out that he was playing right back with a perfectly... Good. All right. We've we've slagged Danny DeCosta. I've slagged Danny DeCosta off personally quite a lot this season, but I, he's more qualified right back than potentially Papela is. Um, so there was a, a lot of decisions that screamed of a man that was just desperately trying a lot of things to see if something would work. It's it was like a a, a child with a, a square block trying to ram it into a triangle hole and just hoping for the best. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. Uh, I mean, I think if you, you, you raise the example of Papela being chosen over to Costa, the thing that made it even weirder is that in the second half, Papela, after not having a good game out of position, unsurprisingly, came off, Hamza Olsen played right back for a bit, and then Tom Krause played right back for a bit. So it wasn't even that... Jan Ziva at that time was not was thinking that um, De Costa wasn't the, in the top, wasn't the best right back. He thought that there are three people that could play their out position better than him. Which, oh, that was that was uh, something that I was kind of annoyed over, and then sort of very quickly after the game, kind of realised, blown it out of proportion. It's one of those ones where I think there was positives in the first half. I think we we did create some chances. We missed some big chances in the first half, but the problem is we conceded a very poor goal, unsurprisingly, from a cross. The heads drop. And there'd been warning signs earlier in the half. I think Undav misses a sitter in the first five minutes. And if, that, if if we'd have conceded at that point, then it would have been game over there and then. Um, I think there was another one. I can't remember the Stuttgart player who sort of basically tries to do a fancy little flick and go around centre. And just there, there was no there's no point in doing that. I think it was Fury. Kind of a let off. Yes, it was. Um, the, 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 those are the two let offs for us before the goal. But we kind of created enough chances to kind of say you know this is an even game but the way the heads dropped like between the first goal which was sort of just inside injury time which was 15 minutes because of the DFL protests just nothing from Mainz it was so so depressing to watch yeah I mean like you say there were the first 40 minutes was was fairly even 
Okay, they um, the Undav chance came within the first 60 seconds. Um, and then the, the Führer's chance for me was even bigger. Obviously, he's got away from the defensive line um, and, he's, and he's bared down on the goalkeeper. And in the end, he's... He's had three choices and he's chosen kind of to do the wrong one. If he plays the ball square, um, Undav taps it in. If he chooses it to to kind of dink it beyond Zentner, he scores himself. But he chooses to try and dribble it. And Zentner, to, to his credit, stands up well and, and makes him make that decision. Um, we, we talked about our chances. I think the big one that sticks out in my, my, my mind is the uh, the ball into the box within the first sort of 10 minutes. Um, that, that ends up at the far post, which Cassie smacks across, uh, smacks against the outside of the post. Um, and, and speaking of it, there was a similar chance uh, a few minutes later that came across to the other post and, and Papella, um, having not had a great game or wasn't having a great game at the time from right back, got himself forward um, and and kind of mishits a shot on, the, on a sliding movement um, at the back post. If he connects with that better, I think we go 1-0 up. Um, so it wasn't like we didn't have our chances. Um, and the improvement, and this is something we've been talking about a lot under the Ziva reign, the Ziva tenure, was there was enough improvement for us to be, or for it to be a noticeable improvement of sorts. But the the final product was was totally lacking. And as soon as the first goal went in, like you say, there was the long protest for for the DFL um, investment uh, conversation that's currently happening within German football. Um, as, as soon as the first goal went in and... I'm going to try and not get too angry about the first goal because I've watched it back two or three times and I'm still furious about it. Um, there was a noticeable dropping of heads and um, from the fans, it was a here we go again. And obviously, I think from the players, um, it was a here we go again. And what's been said in the media over the last two or three days, um, it, it turns out to be true. There, 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 was a, a to- there was a total lack of belief um, coming out of the players and it was no surprise that a couple of minutes later um, they hadn't picked their heads back up again and we conceded a, a second shit goal to go into half time yeah I mean in those kind of circumstances like I'm not defending the players here but I think it's completely understandable why your heads would drop at 1-0 when you look at the record in the last few months in terms of when you go 1-0 down and you're not scoring on average a goal per game how are you supposed to believe that you're going to get back into the game um, which has probably been why we've been playing so in our shells the whole time, because one moment undoes all of the work that we're possibly going to do. The last time we scored more than one goal in a game was in Ziva's first game um, against Leipzig. Nothing's happened since then. Um, that kind of gives you the idea that, OK, well, we might, we might get one against us, but we're going to score enough down the other end. So I understand it, even if I can't really forgive it, if that makes sense. And the problem was that Basically, if I wasn't doing the podcast, I'd have just switched off my stream then and just gone on, gone about my Sunday evening. <laughs> no one had to do this. I continued watching the game, uh, and I mean, there wasn't much to analyse in the second half at all. Like Stuttgart showed a little bit of mercy in terms of like they, they were probing, but they weren't particularly interested. Um, I think Undav scores a, a good goal after sending Kraus into another dimension. <laughs> yeah, um, with with sort of a a nice touch but really there wasn't a lot coming from them I think we huffed and puffed but never looked like scoring until we ended up randomly scoring and I was kind of like looking away at the moment and from the way that the commentary was it didn't sound like anything had happened and then I look over and it's 3-1 and the short scored uh which I think in the medium-term future might be a useful thing to come out of the game if we're going to take any positives, that Jorg's finally got the monkey off his back. He's got his second Bundesliga goal of the season, um, given he's such a sort of streaky confidence player. But um, 
I don't really know what else there is to say about that second half. I, I, honestly, I, I I would love to be able to provide a tactical analysis. I would love to be able to say that <clears throat> I, I stood there with, at the game and I made my notes and um, I focused on being able to provide well-informed content for this podcast. But I spent the last 45 minutes very drunk dancing with a guy dressed as Luigi. Um, so the the goal itself, I uh, Undav's goal, I missed. Um, and I only caught a Jorks goal because I, be ha- I happened to be looking in the direction at the time. Um, but it was, yeah, I, I think like you say, that if you're going to take a positive out of that, it's that a Jork scored again. Um, it's what the first goal from an out-and-out striker we've scored since since he last scored at Augsburg away in September, um, which says a lot about our season. Um, so hopefully he'll continue that um, going into the coming games. But it was it was just... It was everything we expected of Stuttgart away, and and more and worse, if anything. It, it, there was there was other than the first forty minutes of huffing and puffing and and, and not offering a great deal, better than we have done, but like still not enough in the Bundesliga. If you if you're genuinely looking to win three points and you're genuinely fighting for your lives at the bottom of the table, um, to a second forty five minutes of football where, like you say, Stuttgart took their foot off the pedal a little bit. And just kind of knocked it around the back, and that's all they needed to do. I was having a conversation with someone previously, who was saying, you know, it's 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 nice to see that Mites have got into second gear, and it's like, well, yeah, but you know, that means that the rest of the teams that we're playing are happy for a week off, where they don't have to get out of third gear, and it's still good enough to beat us. Um, it's it's a lot of money traveling up and down the country watching uh, watching that. It absolutely is. Uh, so. I'm, I, I... Glad that I wasn't there, but I was still very disappointed on Sunday evening. And for a brief while, the task on Sunday evening looked a little bit harder in terms of staying up. Um, I was following Cologne's game where they went a goal ahead against Hoffenheim, which would have left us six points behind 16th, let alone automatic safety. Um, And as it is in the end, they considered a late equaliser, so it's only a four-point gap. Still lots of hard work to plug it, but certainly feels a little bit more doable um, and gave, yeah, Less of a negative to cling on to. Uh, and then really it was kind of obvious from a lot of the murmurs that was going on in the week from his post-match interview as well, where those were not the words of someone who's going to continue for much longer, let's face it, um, that Jan Ziva, that was his final game and his his final hour um, as, as Mainz coach. Um, and the news was confirmed on Monday morning. Yeah, absolutely. The um, the right sporting decision. I said it in the last podcast that I think if we lose, um, and it came out in in the media as well during the week, if we lose against Stuttgart, or you know, if we, even if we put in a performance, if we get a couple of points, but we put in a performance that that isn't kind of va va voom five nil football, um, just this this miracle turnaround. He cannot continue in the role, and um, I think the those that be those in power at the club recognise that, realise the crisis that we're in, um, and and have um, have moved to to remove Jan of his duties. Um, it's it, it begs the question why he was given it in the first place. Um, there's there's a lot of um, evidence to suggest that that he wasn't fully backed from the beginning, and I don't mean that in a in a financial sense over the transfer window. I mean that in a in a genuine belief in the manager. You are the man we believe is going to turn around for us. I, I don't think that was ever there for him. Uh, the club had options, and they chose to go for a safe one um, in 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 promoting someone internally, which um, has proved ultimately fruitless um, and and left us kind of. Um, 
grabbing at the bit a little bit. Um, but it's oh, yeah, the right the right thing to do. There's still 39 points to play for. We've got another 13 games, um, and we've brought in a man from uh, an external situation, Bo Henriksen, who we are hoping. Um, Will will be the shot to life that that we were hoping Jan Zivert would would maybe be. Yeah, I think if you look at it, I think the choice to hire Zivert maybe rather than a safe option, I think it almost was just like a lazy option in terms of like he's the guy that we've got here. It's not so bad. Let's not go out and find someone else to come in and sort of be able to sort of take what we've got onto a slightly higher level than what we've got. And I think the issue that I've kind of had this season is just like the level of complacency almost behind every decision that seems to be made. It doesn't seem to be explained sufficiently. It just seems to more be that, yeah, this will probably do. Like, this has worked before. This is this is fine. Uh, and that's not how you can make a decision. I mean, regardless of how the season ends, if you have three head coaches in a season and it's because two of them have done badly at the very least, um, that reflects worse upon the hierarchy in charge rather than any of the people that were in that position, uh, especially for Jan Zivert, who I think was put into a position that he just wasn't capable to fill, really. I, I think you look at his record at Huddersfield and you look at the way that he the way that he sort of set up his team um, for us and then just also, and this will become clear when we come on to talk about the new manager, but just the way that he kind of carried himself in the press in terms of like press conferences and the way he spoke as the manager you need a personality and that never came over with him and I think that's because you know maybe he's just sort of a behind the scenes operator kind of guy who he knows what he's doing very clearly you don't get to the position that he was in without knowing what you're doing um, in terms of football he's been around the game for long enough but I just think he isn't he wasn't the kind of character that you'd want to follow into battle and that's what you need in this kind of situation they didn't realize we were in that situation almost for a while but yeah we yeah, I, improved upon where we were when he came in, but there's still a huge improvement to make if we're going to sort of stay up this season. Yeah, that's exactly the point. Is uh, I, I mentioned it last week. He, he almost did a half job. Like he came in and did the minimum, which was he steadied the ship, um, and he's stopped us from going into a real landslide, into a real, real uh, drop down, into getting beat three, four nil every week. Okay, that wasn't necessarily happening under Bo, but the, you know there was a, a danger of of the heads really dropping. And then and then Jan came in and he he picked up the point, didn't he? Here and there, and we thought, yeah, okay. We stopped conceding goals, and we thought, yeah, okay. But it, it was never more than yeah, okay. We were coming away from games afterwards, disappointed and saying, you know. Yeah. There wasn't enough here. There wasn't enough there. There just wasn't enough impetus from anybody. Nobody's grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. It was a very kind of sensible approach all of the time. Um, it, it just struck me as as a as a, a class prefect rather than anything. And there was just a very well spoken man who clearly knows what he's talking about. But like you say, there was no character. There was nothing to to necessarily get behind. Um, and it, and it became it became a struggle after a while because and it's the most frustrating thing as a fan is you're looking at it going, you know, we need to pick up points, we need to win football matches, and to win football matches you need to score goals, and we don't appear to want to do that. We're one nil down, so we're going to bring on a centre half to make sure that we don't lose two nil after seventy five minutes. And decisions like that, where you just you just it makes you wonder. Um, and then you look around the table and you see, for example, a couple of weeks ago, Cologne beating Frankfurt and. Union Berlin have won last week and Darmstadt have picked up a couple of points here and there. And you see the teams around you scoring goals, winning games, 
maybe not frequently, but more often than not. Well, not more often than not, sorry, but more often than we are. Um, and it, it, it makes you wonder why we're not in a position to do that. And then you watch the style of football um, that we were playing and it becomes abundantly clear why that wasn't happening. Um, and I think that got into the fans' heads. I think it got into the players' heads. Um, it was coming out in the media saying that, that you know, the lads walked onto the pitch for the Stuttgart game laughing about Zivert's tactics and laughing about the, the uh, team talk he came before the game. In a relegation battle, as soon as you've got to that stage, you might as well sack it off, lads, because it is a, a big hill to climb anyway. And as soon as the players lose belief in the gaffer, it's game over. Yeah, and, and you have to say then also to his defence that like players shouldn't be carrying themselves in a way that they're starting to laugh at what they're being asked to do um, in terms of you're, you, they are also professionals. They should be sort of going out there and sort of doing the job correctly. And on Sunday, that isn't quite what happened. Like they tried, um, but the fact that the heads dropped, I think you can see that there, there were some problems there. And I think it's interesting that coming directly after the Union game where basically you can question a lot of things about that performance, but the application absolutely... Anyone questioning that is just categorically wrong. Everyone was really, really pushing for it. So for that to have changed so quickly isn't great. And I think it'll be interesting to then see how they then react in the coming weeks. Because I think sometimes once you lose that thread, it can be hard to pick it back up straight away. Um, And we need to, ultimately. Even if the results aren't there, we need to at least make sure that they believe in what they're doing. Um, But I I think with with Ziva as well, I think you look at it and... Ultimately, I was just not enjoying watching it, which like in terms of results, I don't think anyone's been enjoying it recently in terms of the way that we've not been winning or scoring or picking up points. But it's not even like the process of it is pleasant to watch. Like both of us are just football fans. We like to watch football. We'll watch sort of any standard of football uh, on TV, in person and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes you see something absolutely magic and sometimes you see something terrible. And from a footballing side of things, there's been nothing recently at least in the last sort of five six weeks to get your teeth into in a positive sense yeah it absolutely hasn't been enjoyable I I think one of the things as well is I I don't need it to be enjoyable necessarily like like you say we I, I watch enough neutral football anyway that I get my entertainment from other places what I care about with Mainz is achieving our goals and our goal this season has to be to stay in the Bundesliga and okay, it's not a long-term solution. I don't want to spend the next five years watching us win every game. Well, okay, if we win every game, obviously I'll be buzzing. But winning football matches 1-0 and sitting back and, and holding on to 1-0 wins. But that is the situation we're in now to achieve the, the short-term goal. Um, so if Ziva had come in and had a boring style of football that was successful, then I would have had less to complain about. But he had a boring style of football that also didn't achieve results. And um, ultimately, football at the level we're at, we're, you know, we're in the, the top top league in Germany, one of the top five leagues in Europe, potentially in the world. It's a cutthroat business. And if you don't achieve goals, if you don't if you don't score goals, quite literally, um, then then um, decisions have to be made. And um, yeah, the, the decision was made, I think, correctly, fairly quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think if we kind of allude to sort of what Christian Heidel was saying in the press conference, it sounds like, or it doesn't sound like he has said, so it's on record, that they began speaking to Bo Henriksen, the new manager, on the Friday before the game against uh, Stuttgart. So this was kind of always in the offing for something that's going to happen. And then, yeah, in terms of turning it around, I think he was uh, joking about not being able to properly celebrate fast and act over the weekend and having to sort of do his job, which uh, in that case... uh, 
it was the time that needed to be done to pull the trigger and, and get this done. And now it's going to be for them and for the new manager and for the squad, hopefully a very intense few days where they can kind of turn things around. But before we sort of turn our attention to that, I just... I think we should just sort of appraise the kind of era in a little bit more detail because I think that the thing that's interesting about the Ziva era is that I think it's only really like around the time that you got given the job that I kind of sort of was actually lost in terms of I think that first period towards the end of 2023 was so up and down in terms of we got the Leipzig win just days after becoming the caretaker which was without a doubt the high point of the season so far there haven't been many so we don't have to debate that um, then the following weekend we had Darmstadt away where we didn't lay a glove on them I mean they're even worse than us they're bottom of the table so it's, it's frustrating to have not at least missed a, <laughs> a lot of chances to not win um, against them the weekend after that you got Hoffenheim away which I think was our best performance under him absolutely brilliant performance and very unlucky not to win but then you follow up again with like Cologne away where we played well for a lot of the game but then 20 minutes to go batting down the hatches didn't try and win the game and it's kind of a, those kind of games Darmstadt Cologne and then after the new year Wolfsburg Union. those are the games that are where we've really lost the points under him I think and I don't know like I say up and down there were positives and negatives until eventually the negatives became all we could see yeah I I, I struggle with with certain ways of, of thinking because like Darmstadt for example okay they're bottom of the table but they're bottom of the table on goal difference they have the same amount of points as us they, you know they're not a, a horrendously poor side and if they are we're equally as bad um, purely in terms of what the table is telling us um, I, I, I do agree in that we should be beating Darmstadt but if you don't if you don't beat the team put in front of you then you don't deserve to win a football match um, and that was that was absolutely synonymous of um, Zivert's reign was that he was unable to beat the teams put in front of him. Um, and it was kind of the, the, the half, I think he was always stuck. And this is talking obviously purely from an external point of view. This is watching as a Mainz fan with a bit of know-how about what's going on, but you, we were never able to, to obviously read Zivert's mind and, um, and, and know exactly what he was thinking going into games or what he was thinking during games. But he always seemed scared of, winning football matches or of losing football matches sorry and that prevented him from actually trying to win them he you know he was so focused on stopping the rot and just making sure there was a stable foundation that he wasn't able to then build on the foundation that he was trying to build uh, that he was trying to lay down and unfortunately there's not enough football matches in a season having missed the first 10, 12 of them, however many it was, um, to then come in and and try and begin a long-term process, which I think is what he was trying to do. And there were times where it looked like there were a lot of positives and it looked like it be- could become something successful. We, you know, we obviously, we beat Leipzig at home. Um, the Hoffenheim away performance was very good, but it was, it was fractured by these nothing games of football away at, away at Cologne and away at Darmstadt when nothing happened, only on Berlin a couple of weeks ago, you know, we went 1-0 up, we conceded a shit equaliser just before half-time, and then just completely, not turned off, but but didn't turn on again, came back out for the second half with the, we've got a point in the bag, lads, if we, you know, if we sit back a little bit and make sure we don't lose this, then we won't. And it's, maybe it's naivety from me as a football fan, obviously I want my team to go out and get three points every day. Jan Ziva knows a lot better than I do what needs to be done to make sure that um, Mainz is on the right track. But it always struck me as a man scared to risk too much. And unfortunately, that's um, that's probably cost him his job um, 
if it wasn't cost anyway by the lack of belief that that I think a lot of people around the club had for him from the very beginning. Yeah, no, I think that's well put. And I think we can now sort of begin to, rather than focusing on the past, we can kind of go on to the future. And I think a lot of the time, when you make a change from a negative space to hopefully then trying to get back into sort of a positive groove of things, you end up kind of reacting to what's gone before. And I think I don't really know much about Bo Henriksen. Obviously, I know he's got the same first name as a very familiar figure to us. And we can at least go back and sort of use some of the Bo puns that we've all stored up and then weren't allowed to use from the end of October and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what was very clear in his press conference is that like for all of the kind of, I don't want to say lack of personality because I'm sure that Jan Zivert has a personality, but the lack of like a public facing mm. personality that Jan Zivert had. Henriksen came in in his first press con- conference. I've heard him speak for 45 minutes in my life and he's already shown that in spades that he is a bit of a character and he will kind of try and lift people's spirits and sort of make it just interesting for people just in that way, just by, you know, being a little bit of a better talker. And I think sometimes just being taken along in that way, hopefully, I mean, as a fan, hopefully that sort of is motivating for, there might be some people that would regularly go to the stadium, but don't go to every game. And oh, do you know what? I'm going to go along and that will, that will help the atmosphere for us. It will help maybe that extra couple of percent to just, do you know what I really believe today and it's going to be good. But the key thing, and this is what he was talking about in the press conference is actually for the players like a lot of a lot of the situation we're in is a mental thing with the players about how that how they're approaching things and he kind of just wants to unlock that and he, he was speaking so much about courage and just the, the contrast about him basically saying about sort of being brave and having courage with what we've watched for the previous 12 games i think for me it was it was basically saying exactly what i wanted to hear <laughs> yeah no 100% and um there there is Suddenly, certainly in the social media reaction to to Henriksen's appointment and the the first press conference, a little bit of belief has been brought back into the fan base um, to think, actually, do you know what? We can do this because we've spent the last few weeks just kind of moping along, just almost sleepwalking into the second division. Um, and he and he's he's come in and he's gone. You know, the, the players have this mental block, and we need to play a a courageous style of football. We need to play a brave style of football. Is what you and I have been saying for the last few weeks. If you want to win football matches, then you have to go onto the pitch with an idea that you're going to win the thing. If you decide from the get go that you're not, then you won't. And it sounds simple, but that, that's the way football is. If you don't score goals, you don't win football matches. Just to just keep carting out cliches. Um, but he's come in and he's, he's brought a little bit of fire with him, a little bit of passion with him. Um, he speaks more English, clearly, I think he does, than he speaks German, which lends itself to us um, a little bit. Um, but it's it, he seems just kind of a, a, a more outward-going person. Um, and we've seen in the media there's been parallels with him and, and, and Jurgen Klopp, um, not just in the style of football, but in quite that that brash way that they are that they come out and they they wear their heart on their sleeve um so we'll, we'll see what happens ultimately the thing is the thing for certainly for me is i don't know anything about the man I, I, I i'm, I'm surprised by this to be honest. <laughs> the, amount of, the, the amount of random football you're talking to me i was i was expecting you were going to be like oh well i was actually um very familiar with his um horson's side uh, <laughs> for the mid 2010s yeah, I, I remember following the Michelin team uh, a couple of seasons ago, and I was I was on a pod. Now, I, I, I wish I could say something about him. You know, I'd I'd love to be able to um, kind of bullshit my way through a, a history of this man and the style of football he loves to play, and uh, but I can't. And that's the I think the one thing if I'm going to turn it into a not into a negative side, but into a bring it back down. The social media reaction I've seen is 
I don't know anything about the guy. I don't know anything about his style of football. And I'm trying not to allow myself to get carried away by nice words because we've all seen managers in the past that have come out in press conferences and have talked a big game and have have built the fan base up. But at the end of the day, if we go into the Augsburg game on Saturday and we end up playing a similar style of football when losing 1-0, then nothing's changed. It's just a slightly more jovial man behind a microphone telling me the things that I want to hear. Um, So I'm reserving my judgment a little bit um, until I've actually seen 90 minutes of football over the weekend. But it is nice to be in a position where I can look at a game at the weekend and know the guy on the touchline is at least certainly in the character or certainly in the way he portrays himself, um, trying to bring me along with him and trying to bring me along uh, with the idea he's got to keep Mike in the Bundesliga. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's one of those things you're going on the information that you have and the information I have is that he's won a, he's won promotion with Horsens in Denmark. He's won a Danish cup and come second in the league with Michelin, uh, which is probably roughly about sort of where they're at as a club in, in, in the sort of grand scheme of Danish football. Um, he's taken over Zurich when they're bottom of the Swiss Super League and kept them up and then been challenging for Europe this season. Um, feels a little bit weird that he's just left them this mid-season, said goodbye to his players in Zurich earlier this week and then it's all of a sudden here um, because, yeah, why, why, if he's so good, would they just let him walk and go into another job without it kind of being, like, yeah, agreed between the two clubs, which that seems to be the way it's played out, but obviously no idea and that it could just be a very normal thing. They've just decided to part ways and go with, uh, with someone else, but... <laughs> Yeah, a very big unknown quantity. And then we're just kind of we're trying to fill the gaps with, like you say, the available information. And that is that he's recognised the same problems that we've recognised on the podcast from the outside. Um, hopefully, as he goes in and analyses the games a bit more, which he was talking about how he was going to do that, you'll see a little bit more. Uh, and hopefully there will be something to celebrate, I think. Um, obviously, we've seen Danish managers here. We've, we've had had uh, success under people called Bo, saving us from relegation. He's had success at saving clubs from relegation as well, which is good. Uh, and... I guess the only thing is that I really didn't expect to be having this conversation about an external candidate because really the the main reason this was so left field other than that I'd never heard of the bloke was that we were almost sure that Benny Hoffman was the shoe-in for the job, uh, which Christian Heidel says those conversations were never had uh, and that while he will very, very likely be a Bundesliga coach in the future and hopefully with us, um, now wasn't the right time for that kind of move to be made, which I can kind of see uh, why after promoting from within hasn't worked in one season why you wouldn't then that's the next immediate thing that you go on and do I think it makes a lot of sense um, but it's one of those things where I think we kind of maybe got carried away with the idea of it because obviously Hoffman himself is such an impressive guy and has done so so well for the club up until now uh, that you do want to dream of a romantic future so hopefully we kind of get somewhere in the middle where we've got this romantic future with someone else and then he prepares the ground down the line for you know future success with other people as well Yeah absolutely I think a lot of people got not necessarily carried away with the idea of Benny Hoffman but it, it was it was a kind of a dream that a lot of people hold because a lot of people have a lot of respect for and rightly so have a lot of pe- a respect for but not Benny Hoffman as a person and also his achievements within under-19s football or youth football as a whole um, but I think it's a very fair point to make that if you've tried it once internally at one season that it makes total sense not to try it again um, and I think what a lot of people would have been scared with or, or potentially weren't thinking about the risk that came involved was that you give Benny Hoffman the chance, we go down without a whimper and then you lose him completely from the club. Um, and, and you have to find the balance between what Benny wants, because I haven't heard him come out at any point and say, 
I want the first team job. I think he's been very reserved and very quiet um, amongst all of these rumours um, and, and, and making sure that, that you keep these good coaches um, because the, the youth the generation of youth players we've currently got coming through the system um, look very, very promising, look very exciting. And Mainz is a club that is based on bringing through talented young players and then ultimately selling them on for a decent profit. And um, you, you want to make sure that the club uh, as a whole is stable uh, rather than risking all of that in the name of um, an experiment with the first team that potentially may not may not work out. Yeah, you don't you don't want that kind of brain drain of a lot of people that are really sort of sort of bedded into the club and how they operate and have all of that know how. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think it makes sense to just kind of like you say, let him still kind of bridge through the under twenty three team and and see how it goes. Ultimately, regardless of who was manager, I think. It is going to be a very tough ask to keep us in the Bundesliga at this point in the season. We've got 12 points. It's not impossible, but we're nine points behind an automatic uh, safe spot. We're, uh, what, yeah, like I say, four points behind uh, the relegation playoff spot, which usually the Bundesliga team wins, which means you know that when Mainz are in it, we probably would lose. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be tough. There's going to be a lot of hard work needed and a lot of luck and a big turnaround in form. Uh but yeah, just I think we just need to focus purely on the next 13 games now and then hope that we're not going to be sort of ticking off <laughs> the second Bundesliga come the end of the summer because, I mean, it's not what I want to be doing in my life, Sheridan. <laughs> it's, no, it's not what I want to be doing either. If it gives you any hope, I did the... Um... The, the table calculator this morning, you can go through the results for the rest of the games this season and ultimately it will show you at the end of the season what, based on the results you input, what the table would look like. And my final table keeps us up automatically without going into the playoff by a single point. Um, and I tried to keep it as realistic as I could. And, and you know, I put us down to lose when I thought we were going to lose. We've got we've still got Dortmund at home. We've still got, got to go to Wolfsburg on the final day. Uh, we've still got How to play. How many times did you have us down to win ten 0 mate? That's what, that's <laughs> I I wish. Genuinely, I've I've put I calculated that we've got fifteen points that we would win from the remaining thirteen games. So fifteen points from the remaining thirty-nine, I think we can pick up. Um because okay, you know, we've only won once in twenty-six games, but we do still have to host Cologne, we do still have to host Bochum, we do still have to host um Darmstadt. These games with the teams around us, quite often they're coming to us. Um, so I'm I'm hopeful in that sense. And a lot of those teams at the bottom of the league have to play each other. So you'd you'd hope that there would be some draws in there um, and whatnot. But you know we've still got to go. We go to Leverkusen next week, for example. These are games where unless Henriksen shows me an immediate turnaround, a completely different Mainz to the one we've seen this season, I have to go into those games thinking we're going to lose fairly comfortably. Um, but my my. <sighs> My confidence is still there. This is the weird thing about being a football fan is I've said all season, every week I've given up hope we're going down. But my hope is actually still there because you just go into every game with this renewed, it's another 90 minutes of football. Anything can happen in a 90 minutes of football. And a Danish man with a smile on his face come and told me that he's an old bastard and the players need courage. And that was enough to pick me up and go, you are an old bastard, but you're saying the right things. Come on, let's go. We uh, into battle against Augsburg. So, you know, it's as good a time as any for a new manager to start, I think. A home game against a team that on paper, aren't, they're not heavyweight. They're not, you know, they're not going to be bottom of the league at the end of the season, but it's a, a winnable football match, despite 
our record over the last 25, 30 games. Um, and I'm going into it with this this kind of renewed hope of why not, almost. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the moment he had me in the press conference was when he decided to tell us that he didn't like heavy metal. I was like, do you know what? Fair play, because that's, that's not going to endear you to a lot of people, but it endears you to me, so fair play. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be interesting with Augsburg in terms of that's the baptism of, well, not fire, but basically he's coming in and immediately playing against uh, a, a, another manager that he's known since the age of five, according to him. Oh, so wow. Jess Torrup, also Danish. They played against each other a lot at youth levels. They're about the same age. Mm. Uh, and I think he's had a really good impact at Augsburg. At least when he first came in, the results really turned around for them and a lot of yeah. the performances were better. So I'm just hoping this Danish connection works out. I think yeah. <laughs> just much like Christian Heidel. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, we should probably wrap it up because bedtime soon. Uh, but <laughs> uh, uh, I did want to talk about the under-19s again, just because we got a very, very exciting, I think it's Friday morning, wasn't it? Yes. Friday afternoon, Friday uh, afternoon where we were yeah. watching uh, UEFA live stream and uh, waiting for Mainz's name to be drawn out. So tell us all about it. Manchester City at home. It's it's an incredible draw, isn't it, really? Like, we were all talking in the group chat. A lot of us wanted uh, an away draw so we could follow follow the 19s team across Europe because who knows when we're next going to get to see a Mainz team in Europe. You know, hopefully, we'll announce a silly pre-season friendly over the summer and we'll get a nice little a nice little tour. But, um, but no, we've got the Manchester City, the champions of Europe, the champions of England um, coming to, to little old Mainz. And, and obviously, as an English-speaking podcast, both grow up watching English football, that's um, a very exciting draw. Um, I was I was straight on to, to transfer marks and whatnot, looking through the, the players, trying to work out who it is going to be that's going to be playing at the Brookvig, um, and, and was most excited to find out that the current captain of that squad is Emil Heskey's son. Um, so it's it's just a brilliant draw. It's just another reason for um, the the Boykweg to be sold out for eight thousand to get behind um, an extremely talented group of players um, and to to enjoy a night out watching a Mainz team again. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad it isn't away in Manchester because, firstly, flights to Manchester from Frankfurt are very, <laughs> very dear. And then I think they'd have played it at their academy stadium anyway. So yeah. who wants to go there? So Brookfig, much better. Yeah. Be a great atmosphere again. Um, I'll be interested to see like, how much it captures the imagination in comparison to Barcelona because, obviously, like Barcelona, great name, whereas maybe I'm just classic English bias looking at Man City. Like, you know, not that impressed. Like, they're good at football, but like, who really cares that much? Yeah. <laughs> like, like you know not not like a like the the kind of like clubs that are romantic that kind of thing but um i think there's a good point the the romanticizing of the tie is is a generational thing certainly but then and then also if you walk around in Mainz, you will see a lot of manchester city shirts for some reason because well this is what i'm saying it's a generational thing over the last sort of 10 years you've got a lot of, of kids growing up with a quite dominant manchester city side at the time we were growing up it was a quite dominant barcelona side i think barcelona generally is a more romantic name anyway um but it's it's very much yeah it, it's not a club for the purist um but it is it's still a big big name in in the modern modern world of football um but but i think uh, barcelona was That's certainly more romantic but i th- i think beating manchester city will be as equally not only impressive but as equally um a reason to celebrate if only because it would mean getting into 
um, the would it be the quarterfinals? It would be. It'd, be, it'd yeah. be the quarters, yeah. So I mean, yeah, for us, I mean, there'll be definitely future England players in that Man City side. So that'd be yeah. exciting for us to see. Uh, I think in terms of the level of academy, like just as good as Barcelona, if not at the moment better in terms of the players that they're producing that are actually playing top level football. So it's going to be a tough game. Um, if we get through, it's Alcamar Porto again at home. Uh, and if we get through that, then then there's uh, a tournament in Switzerland uh, around the end of April. I think it's the weekend we play Freiburg away. It is, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, if I'm not even I'm not allowing myself to think that far ahead in the future, but you know, a game in Germany on the Swiss border, and then a couple of games in in Switzerland to watch mine to lift the trophy. I mean, it'd be it'd be glorious. There would be worse ways to spend a weekend. One hundred percent. Well, there we go. We've allowed ourselves a little bit of dreaming for the first team and the under-19s team. There'll be more dreaming for other teams and all that kind of stuff later on. Any final thoughts before we uh, depart for the evening, Sheridan? No, I think we've said everything that's needed to be said. We need to let the football do the talking on Saturday. Um, it's going to be a big game. We need any, everyone to be in the stadium. We all need to get behind the team. And hopefully this uh, ruck can be turned around by Bo himself. Bo 2.0. Yeah, I'm not sure you can say Bo himself. No, no, I don't but, either. We'll yeah. Bo, Bo 2.0 for now until we come up with a better nickname for him. Yeah, this goes out to the DJs, Bo Selector, all that kind of stuff. Until next time.